Thank you, Joe, for reading God's Word this morning. I would like to ask everybody to just move up a little bit. Now, I know that you're out of your comfort zone doing that, but we don't have as many people here today. If we could get people closer to the front, <clears throat> we're not going to stay the script exactly this morning. I am going to introduce this study today, but we're not going to complete it. So um, you're going to have an opportunity this week to take your notes home with you and study them and come back ready to hear the, uh, the full study of uh, Nehemiah chapter 5 next week. And I want to give an introduction this morning, but I'm going to wrap this up after the introduction. I've got a place where I'm going to end, and I want to spend just a little time in prayer together. That's why I'm asking you to come forward so we can get closer together. I want to spend just a little time in prayer together before we leave. And then, Nate, if you can close us out with our opening song after we finish praying, okay? We're going to sing that as a prayer back to God again to close the service today. All right, so we're in the book of... Uh, Nehemiah, I think everybody knows that. Uh, in my notes, I've got a little line in here that talks about guests. I don't think we've got any guests here this morning, so I'm going to just skip over that. This is one of those days where you don't have too many visitors in church. In fact, I was joking with uh, the praise team before we came in here that we probably needed to get the ushers out here this morning to kind of... Uh, navigate the overflow crowd that we were going to have here today. This just isn't one of those days, but um, we're in the book of Nehemiah, and I want to just review for a moment. Nehemiah returned to Jerusalem in 445 B.C. You remember that he returned with a group of exiles that had been gone from a long time. He'd been given permission to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And so he returns in 445 B.C. with this group of people to rebuild these walls. And you remember those walls had been down for over 100 years. For over 100 years, these walls had been down and the gates had been burned with fire. And so now he's commissioned to rebuild these walls. And that's what we've been studying the rebuilding of the walls of the city of Jerusalem. Now, what's fascinating to me is we're going to get into this book later in the next few weeks, is not only did they rebuild the walls of the city physically, but they experienced spiritual renewal and revival. In fact, if you want to skip ahead to chapter 8, you're going to see that there's a revival at the water gate now, I want to talk for just a minute about rebuilding and revival because rebuilding and revival cannot be done on our own. In fact, we've got some slides coming up here on the screen right now that I meant to show last week, and I want you to look at these because we talked about these a few weeks ago. This first slide that's up here on the screen right now is a slide of the Sheep Gate. You remember we talked about this. The Sheep Gate was one of the gates described by Nehemiah around the city. 
You remember the Sheep Gate was the gate at the northern end of town in Jerusalem, which the sheep sheep came through before they were slaughtered and then sacrificed in the temple. But did you know that this gate is also the gate that Jesus went out when he was on his way to Golgotha to die for us on the cross? So it's the gate in which the sheep came in and they were slaughtered in the temple. But it's also the gate that Jesus went out when he went to be crucified for us as the Lamb of God. And then this next slide that we've got is a a slide, uh, not as it was in Nehemiah's day, but a slide of the dung gate. You remember we talked about that? You remember what that was symbolic of? That was symbolic of confession. We need to offload all the garbage in our life, the sin. And so this is the gate through which or out of which the garbage was taken, all the refuge, all of the the stuff that went down to be burned outside the city walls. And then this third slide that we've got coming up for you here this morning is a picture of the, the eastern gate. And incidentally, we've got some literature out on the table if you want to pick it up on your way out today that talks about each of the gates around the city and the symbolism of each of these. But the eastern gate is the gate through which Jesus came through on Palm Sunday. He entered the city through this gate. And there are many that think that Jesus is going to enter through this gate again when he returns, when he sets his foot on the Mount of Olives and as he, he, he comes back to this planet to rule and to reign for the millennium, the eastern gate. All of these gates have tremendous symbolism. And I, I wanted to just show you those this morning as we're reviewing for a moment because it's important to understand that you cannot rebuild your life. You cannot experience spiritual renewal apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. Every one of these gates, everything in the Word of God points to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you remember in the book of Nehemiah, Jesus is seen as our restorer and our rebuilder. Jesus Christ is seen in every book of the Bible. Every book of the Bible points to Jesus in some way. Because it's his story. It culminates in Christ. And we see Jesus from the beginning to the end in the book of Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation. And we see him here in the book of Nehemiah. So it's important to be reminded of that today on this wintry, snowy Sunday morning with just a few people in church. Because you can't rebuild your life. You will not experience spiritual renewal in your life apart from being rooted in the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn to Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7 for just a moment. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Is there anybody here this morning that has the New International Version with you? Because I really like the way this reads in the NIV. Anybody here with an NIV Bible this morning? Would you mind just standing and reading these verses from the NIV? I've got the ESV. Scott? 
So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Just as you received the Lord Jesus Christ, we're to continue to live in him, rooted in him, rooted in him, rooted in the Lord Jesus Christ. Unless you're rooted in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will not experience spiritual renewal in your life. We've got to be rooted in Jesus. Jesus Christ is the Christian life. And I think it's very important that we understand that this morning because one of the things that that some of you are praying and I'm praying is, is for a deeper relationship with the Lord Jesus and renewal in the Lord Jesus in the life of our church family as we go, as we move toward Easter. And God can do it, and I believe God will do it, but only as we're rooted in him. Jesus Christ is the one that brings renewal uh, and spiritual renewal and revival in our lives. Now, having established that, you remember that Satan does not want God to build his kingdom here. Satan does not want spiritual renewal to take place in your life, and he'll do anything he can to derail it and oppose it. And that's where we left off last week. In fact, that's where we are in the book right now. We're in the midst of three chapters, chapter 4, 5, and 6, that talk about opposition to God's renewing, rebuilding work in our lives. And last week, we saw how Satan did everything he could to derail God's work by bringing resistance from the outside. And the chapter that we're going to study next week that I'm introducing this morning chapter 5. Now we're going to see that when Satan couldn't destroy God's work from the outside, he's going to try to destroy it from the inside. He's going to bring an internal crisis. And that's what Joe was just reading for us, an internal crisis, discord among the brothers in order to derail and destroy God's good work. And that's what this chapter is about. And then chapter 6, we're going to see him bringing further opposition, resistance to what God wants to do in the rebuilding of these walls and the reviving of the Jewish people. Ray Stedman made this statement, and it's coming up on the screen right now. One thing that clearly emerges from this book is that life is a battle from beginning to end Nehemiah ran into opposition the moment he set his heart to obey God's command to rebuild the walls and gates of Jerusalem. He faced difficulty before he even got to the city. And then after he reached Jerusalem, enemies arose up to oppose everything that he did. And that's the Christian life. If you've lived the life, the Christian life long enough, then you know that you experience opposition. If you are committed to doing God's will in your life, you will experience resistance and opposition from the enemy because the enemy wants nothing more than to derail you from doing what God wants you to do in your life. That's why he's called the enemy of God. And he will oppose you. 
So we've got this eternal crisis that occurs in this chapter. Now, just look at verses 1 through 5, because we're going to stop right here this morning. And I want to just prepare you as you take your notes home and read these over for next week. Please notice that there's an outcry from the Jewish brothers as this chapter opens. Emotions are raw. There are three groups of people that we're going to look at next week, and every one of them has a complaint because things are not going well, and they're being taken advantage of by their Jewish brothers, and they're at each other's throats because the enemy wants to bring this work down before it, it, it gets finished. They're at each other's throats, and Nehemiah is going to have to confront this crisis, and we're going to see how he confronts it next week as we pick up with this study. But I want to end this morning with verse 5. Notice how the people describe themselves as they file their complaint with Nehemiah. They say that they're powerless or they're helpless to do anything about their situation. Lots of times when we experience opposition, whether it's from the outside or whether it's from the inside, and the attacks of the enemy from the inside are sometimes the most lethal, the most devastating, we feel powerless to do anything about our situation. And that's how they describe themselves. And we're going to see why next week. But they're feeling helpless. They're feeling powerless. Now, there may be somebody in here this morning that's feeling helpless. You're in the midst of some kind of situation in your life, and you just, you, you don't know how to overcome it. You're experiencing difficulty or opposition, and you just don't feel like there's anything you can do about your situation. I was in a situation like that about 11 or 12 years ago when I was first diagnosed with cancer. And I think everybody in here knows that I had cancer along the way in my life. Maybe there are some people that don't know that. But I remember before I went into surgery, I was feeling helpless. I was feeling powerless. And I didn't know how it was going to end up. I didn't know how it was going to turn out. And I just, I really didn't know why God had allowed this in my life. And I was having a lot of serious conversations with the Lord. And one of the verses that God gave me, among many others on that occasion, was Psalm chapter 9. If you could turn back to that for just a moment. Psalm chapter 9. I want to make sure that I've got this right because I haven't memorized it. Does anybody else have an NIV Bible here today besides Scott? I'd like you to read these verses out of the NIV Bible. 
You still have the microphone, Scott? Can I leave it with you? We've heard his voice. We want to just hear somebody else read this morning. Anybody else have an NIV Bible? Walter, would you mind reading these verses? Verses 9 and 10 of Psalm 9. Verses 9 and 10 of Psalm 9. The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Those who know your name will trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. I love the way that's worded in the IV. For you have never forsaken. You have never forsaken those who seek you. And those who know your name will put their trust in you, and you have never forsaken those who seek you. If that's a description of your life this morning, I just want to encourage you. God is with you. God is for you. And you may not see your way out of whatever it is you're in today, but God is with you. God is for you. The promise of the word of God this morning is he will never forsake you. He is present with you. Even if you feel helpless, even if you feel powerless today to do anything about your situation, whatever the crisis outside or inside, whatever is coming against you. That's the promise of the word of God this morning. And I want to leave you with that thought as we are going to close out this service. Now, I want to do one other thing today, and it's your fault for coming this morning, Krista, okay? Can I get the mic back from you, Scott? I want to get our elders up here because it's a smaller service and we don't have an opportunity to do this kind of thing in a church service very often. But I want to just give, gather around Krista this morning and pray for her before we, are, we sing our last song. If we could just get our elders up here to lay hands on Krista for a moment. And John, if you wouldn't mind leading us in prayer and then just maybe passing the mic to Cliff here. And um, if we've got any former elders here, um, want to just gather around Krista and lay our hands on her and pray for her. And then after we pray for her, I want to spend just a couple of minutes, and we're going to give some people in our church family an opportunity to tell Krista, thank you for what she means to you in some way, okay? We're going to give a few people an opportunity to do, to do that this morning. You know, when we were singing that, that uh, last song this morning, Krista, Beautiful Name, the thought I had was, you're going to beat me to the barn, I think. Now, I don't know. I, only the Lord knows for sure. I may beat you to the barn, but, but more than likely, you're going to beat some of us to the barn. And um, I'm a little bit envious because you're going you're gonna to get to worship that beautiful name in his presence. In a way that uh, we're not going to get to down here on, on this earth. But we love you very much. And we want to pray for you this morning. And uh, just pray that God's going to strengthen you. We're so grateful for you and that you're here today. 
And uh, John, would you just lead us in prayer for Krista and anybody else? Father God, we thank you. We thank you for life. The name above all names, the name of Jesus, that brings us from a place of darkness to a place of light in your Son. And we thank you for the salvation that we have through him. We thank you for the life, the life that is eternal. And we hold on tight to the hope of a Savior, Lord. It's a, a blessing to know that uh, this life uh, is just the beginning of eternal life with you, Father. And we thank you for uh, Krista. We thank you for her uh, just well-done, good and faithful servant, Lord. Uh, the time that she has given to this church body, Lord, and uh, our prayers uphold her, Lord, and we uh, come before you. And we know that uh, all things are in your hands. And we just pray for your will and your guidance and your uh, upholding of Krista, Lord. And I just pray for the the people that are in her life, Lord, and uh, those that uh, give thanks to you uh, for her, Lord. We pray that uh, you would be with her, Lord. Uh, as uh, Randy said, times come, Lord. I just pray that the focus uh, would remain on you. And uh, I just pray for this church body as we hold one another up in prayer. I pray that that would be the attitude of our hearts, Lord, that uh, you've given us life. And I pray that we would share it with one another, that we would have a burden to uphold one another in prayer and also in action. I pray that uh, you would continue to bless this congregation. I pray that you would continue to bless Krista. And Lord, as we just continue to pray here, um, I know Krista's feeling very uncomfortable, and this she doesn't want to be in the limelight. And as John prayed, it's it's ultimately all about you. But she's our sister in Christ, and she's ministered for your glory here for many many years. And we just thank you for and for her ministry in our lives and. And that's our motivation right now, Lord. We want you to be glorified, but we want to honor her as just a, a sister in Christ, somebody that we care a lot about. And so we, we lift her up to you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for Krista. Faith, faithfulness comes to mind, and also that, that nature, that, that funny nature that she has, Lord. Thank you for... She's always got a a different way to look at things. And uh, I suppose we all have learned things if we have met or spent any time with Krista, but we will miss her. We just know that there's the joy of the Lord ahead, the real joy of the Lord. She's facing that. We just uh, take a few moments. We're all facing that, really, ultimately, but we take a few moments to, to realize that uh, we love her. Lord, you've brought us together. We have been blessed to know Krista. We just pray that you will smoothen out any of the bumps along the way for her life and just uh, give her your blessing and uh, help her in every way, strengthen her day by day. And uh, 
We give you the praise and the glory for her. Lord, we just uh, thank you so much for this child that you've given us, Lord. What a blessing it is uh, to, uh, to know her. What a blessing she has been uh, to this church body. Um, you know, I just uh, am so reminded of all the, the gifts that you've given her, and she's used those gifts for you, Lord, her, her, her playing the piano, her singing. But, uh, you know, she has the gift of clarity, uh, that gift that just brings it right to the point that your son Jesus is the reason why we're here and why we're um, why we're why we're saved and and she's uh, at that place, Lord, where she uh, she's gonna see you soon, and uh, that's that's an amazing thing. And we just thank you so much for Krista. What a blessing she is, and uh, we just pray for pray for her right now. All right. Now I want to just uh, we got a few minutes left here. And we don't have time for everybody. I'd encourage, uh, for many of you, maybe to just write Krista a note. But uh, we've got time for three or four people just to share something personal. And you've wanted to say thank you to Krista for some song she's played or whatever. Uh, now's an opportunity for you to, to just say, hey, thank you, Krista. Anybody want to take the mic right now? Krista, I want to thank you. Many years ago, you made a good example to each and every one of us how you took care of your mother. You sacrificed for her right up to the end. And you gave her your life to this church to make sure our music was good. We all enjoyed singing along with your great playing. All right. Anybody else have a clip? As we were talking about Nehemiah and a couple Sundays ago, I mentioned that our, uh, our theme when we rebuilt this church was uh, out of Nehemiah. I just want to thank Krista. She was part of the building committee here. Spent a lot of long nights here. A number of nights her mom would call, send Krista home, send Krista home. But she stayed with us and hung in there with us. And uh, also, you look around the church nowadays and you see everybody with their phones out reading their, their Bible and their phones. Well, Krista's been doing that for years. Nobody ever noticed. She has that little tiny Bible. It's about the size of a phone. <laughs> so she did it before everybody else. Also, Krista has a fantastic laugh. Yeah, That's, she, she really does. Yeah. Krista was ahead of her time. A techie before it was fashionable to be a techie. Krista, you've... Uh been an example for me um, in many different ways. Uh, one of the stalwarts for the missions in our church, um, constantly focusing with mission moments, getting to the point, telling people what's happening out there, um, what's going on in our world for the Lord. And uh, thank you. Thank you for getting that word out. That's part of spreading the gospel word, knowing how we're affecting uh, the lives around this world for Jesus Christ. And uh, another one is the offertories that you do. Um, many times I sit that back there in my recording uh, area with my earphones on and I get to listen to that. And um, to me, many times that's spoken. There's no singing. There's no words. But I know what those songs are. And they've spoken to my life. And uh, probably more times than not. And uh, I really appreciate it. And uh, 
you've been extremely faithful to uh, the Lord and uh, an example in my life to follow. So thank you. Just a couple more people. Honey, you want to say something about Krista? You can tell her you love her. Okay. Ruth? So many people these days think of Krista as music, music, music. But there were days when it was teaching, it was starting a new church, it was being a faithful treasurer in, another, in the new church, it was um, Sunday school superintendent. So it, it hasn't just been music. It's been in so many different ways, and the word is faithful. Amen. God uses faithfulness. And you've been so faithful, Krista. One more person. Krista, I don't know you. But I want to say to you, it's not over until it's over. And I speak life and renewal in the name of Jesus Christ to you, that you keep on hoping and persevering for whatever he needs of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for that encouragement. And you've been a testimony in that way, Krista. What a blessing. We love you. Don, um, I'm going to ask you to come and pray, if you wouldn't, for Krista, if you wouldn't mind, one more time, and then we'll close with our song, okay? So we're going to have, we're doing it a little bit differently today. We're going to pray, and then we're going to sing the prayer, okay? Let's pray together. Our Father, we're thankful for your goodness and love to us. We're thankful for the many members of this church that have gifts, and they use those gifts for your glory and honor. And, Father, we know Krista is a gifted woman that God has sent to us, and we've enjoyed her ministry with us. And we believe that you can also do a work of healing in her right now. And, Lord, we just commit her to you. Uh, Her time is your time, and, Lord, you're on the throne, you're reigning And there'll be a time when each of us will have an opportunity to stand in your presence and to praise you forever and ever. And, Lord, we're just asking your blessing uh, upon Krista and her faithfulness and her love for you, her love for missions, her love for a dying world, her love for the Capital City Rescue Mission where she has worked in the clinic so faithfully these many years. And, Lord, we thank you for the many ways in which her life has touched all of us. And we give you the glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.